our younger kids had that. All right. Every Sunday ought to be like the first time you've ever been here. Might be the best time you've ever been here. Could be the last time you'll ever That's be right. here. I never take this for granted. It's not routine. Aren't these children precious? They're wonderful. I've got a lot of investment in the Christian church and the Christian life, and I don't regret one day of it. What a wonderful way to live. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. If you look at Acts 17, Acts chapter 17, verses 22 through 28. Acts 17, 22 through 28. We'll talk about three important questions about life. Three important questions about life. Acts 17, 22. I love you because you love this old book. You know, people are looking for God in all the wrong places. In emotions, experiences, signs and wonders, dreams, and all the rest of it. But God has invested himself in this book. This is where you find God. You say, well, I'd like to hear God speak. Well, when you read it, read it out loud. Because this is God's book. He has invested himself in this book. And if you want to find it, You'll find it in the pages of this wonderful old book we call the Holy Bible. Acts 17, 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare unto you. I love the way he honors and praises God in these next verses. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeth he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And watch this, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That's talking about your life and mine. And that they should seek the Lord if happy they might feel him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Watch verse 28, and I'm through reading. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Three important questions about life, your life and mine. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here. This is not just another time. This is not just a religious exercise. This is a day you have appointed and you have allowed the wonderful privilege for us to gather together. Oh, Spirit of God, would you be our preacher and would you share with us wonderful words of life? And dear Lord, I'll praise you for all you do for asking in your name and with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Athens was the capital city of Greece. It had a population of about 250,000 people. The Athenians prided themselves in their knowledge. They spent days and weeks and months all the time 
trying to learn more and more. You see that in verse 21. And their philosophers are mentioned back in verse 18. They were so zealous to have a full knowledge of all the Greek gods until just in case they overlooked one, they erected a statue in Athens to the unknown God. And Paul walking by said, this unknown God, he's the one I want to talk to you about. And he used that as an opportunity to address them and talk about the only true and living God, our wonderful heavenly Father. Greece has a modern day counterpart. 21st century living. I've never seen a day when people were so mixed up, so much hodgepodge about uh, where we came from, why we're here, where we're going. I've never seen so much confusion about that. And it ought to be clearly understood, but it seems like we're moving farther and farther about that and every generation that's coming up. Uh, it seems like the inmates are running the mental institutes. The patients are running it. I remember years ago, I'd go by Rodney every once in a while. There was a, <clears throat> there was a mental institute in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I'd, I'd go by and see some of those fellows sometime. And uh, I did that regularly, Carolyn, until one day I went over there to see him, spend a little time with him. And they said, Ron... We, we love you. We enjoy you so much because you're more like us than anybody that's ever come by to see you. And I said, well, I won't be back anymore after that one. <laughs> but there are three things today I want you to look at about life. Three important things. First of all, and you may think this is elementary. You may think, well, preacher, everybody understands that. No, they don't. The first question is, how did you get here? How did we get here? Too many people do not understand that. I talked to a lot of people. I talked to two fellows last week. One of them was an agnostic, which means I don't even know if there is a God. Talked to a pagan man. He said, there is no God. They're everywhere. Things are happening all over this country. And people have no idea about their origin, where they came from, or who to give credit for why they're here. I'm glad I know why I'm here, don't you? I'm glad I know how I got here. But anybody who says there's no God, according to Psalm 14:1, they are fools. There is a God. The evolutionist says we evolved from matter, but we who believe the Bible, quote Genesis 2, 7, and I love this verse. Listen to it, I love it. And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. That's the only part of creation that God became personally involved in. He spoke everything else into existence, Roger. But when it came to man, he actually became personally involved and formed him from the dust of the ground. But that's not all it says. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. God is life. And God is the life giver. And the reason you have physical life is because God gave it to you. That's how you got here. Oh, you're not a product of evolution or any of that thing. And listen, you're not even a, a person from an unplanned pregnancy. Did you hear that? You didn't get here because of an unplanned pregnancy. You're here by divine providence. God allowed you to be on this planet because he wanted you here. There are over 10 billion people in this world today, and you're one of them. And we're not just another pretty face. No, no, no. You're here for a reason. God gave you life. 
He wanted you here. And to make it even more personal, according to verse 26 of our text, He has something specifically just for you. He gave you life. You're here today. He, you're, he's your creator. He's your life giver. And you're here for a purpose. We'll look at that in a minute. But Genesis 1.30 says he gives life to all things. My God is alive and he's the God of the living. He's not a God of stone. He's not a God carved out of wood. He's not a God that worships by the trees or rivers. He is the eternal God, the true and the living God. And now he is my heavenly father. That excites me. I know where I came from. God gave me life. He wanted me here. And I'm glad he did. Amen. There's a second thing you'd like to know what it is. Say amen. amen. The question, not only the first one, how did you get here? But why are you here? Why are you here? Just to take up space? Just to be another person? Does God have a reason for you being here? Does God have a purpose for you being here? It's logically that it follows. If God gave you life, if God is the reason you're here, then he has a purpose for putting you here. That just makes sense. Am I right? Mark Twain said this. There are two important days in your life. When you were born and then finding out why. Why are you here? God wanted you here. But why? What does he have in mind for you? Do you know what it is? Are you living in his will? Are you enjoying the journey? Walking with your Savior? Oh, it's wonderful. He has a purpose for you. The wealthy man, the rich man in Luke chapter 12 verse 19 says, The reason we're here is to eat, drink, and be merry. Is that all there is to it? I mean, you born, you grow up, you go to school. You get a job, you have a family, you make plans, you have fun, you retire, and you travel. Is that all there is to it? <laughs> I remember reading about Henry and Gertrude, a country couple. They lived on a farm. They never got out much. But one day they heard about the, the county fair coming to town. They thought they'd walk down to town and see what's going on out there. They'd never seen anything like it. Uh, there was this sherry, there was this merry-go-round. And it fascinated Henry. He said, well, I want to ride that thing. And Gertrude said, I'm not getting on that thing. He said, oh, come on. And she said, no. He said, well, I'm going to ride it. So he gave the man his money, and around and around and around he went. And when he got off, Gertrude said, well, Henry, I hope you had a good time. You gave the man your money, you went round and round, and you got off where you got on. That's just about the way life is with a lot of people. It's just round and round. It has no purpose. I can't stand that kind of philosophy. I want to live while I'm alive. You know what I mean? The tragedy of most people's lives is they live, but they never really live. I want to live. I want to live life to the fullest. I told you last Sunday, I'm a teenager trapped in a 74-year-old body, and I'm just getting started. I'm wide open, I'm determined, and I love every lick of it, and I'm going to stay that way the rest of my life. Amen. I don't let anybody knock that out of me. I don't care what they say or do. I am who I am. I know how I got here. I know why I'm here. And the last thing in a minute, I'll give you a hint. I know where I'm going. I know why I'm here. 
Jesus said this in John 10, verse 10. I'm come that you might have life. That's not all he said. And have it more abundantly. That's not the duration of it, but the quality of it. You see this every day. It's everywhere you go. Grocery stores, service stations, places of business. It's like this everywhere, Poppy. They look like the walking dead. The lights are on, but there's nobody home. And I'm not critical of that. I'm saddened by that. Isn't it terrible that the very heart and soul of so many hundreds of millions of people has been ripped out of them and there's nothing left but an empty shell? I'd rather be dead than be like that. I want to live, don't you? When I come to church, I like to worship God. I love the way you get into it. Get up and sing. Throw everything you got into it. You're not going to pass this way but one time. What are you waiting for? Don't save yourself. What are you saving yourself for? Work at it. You can rest when you get to heaven. Work at it. I'd like for you to follow my example. I have no voting power around here, but I'm to set an example. I'm a church man from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I love our church family. I'm in hook, line, and sinker, both feet. I'm not hesitating, seeing what's going to happen. I'm not a spectator. I'm a participator. I love it. I've doubled my tithe this year. I started that in December. Nobody's business how much that is. That's between me and the Lord, just like how much you give is your business, none of mine. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to penalize my Lord for an ailing economy. If it gets worse, I'll triple the tithe. You say, oh, somebody fainted back there, afraid I was going to ask them to do it. I'm not just blowing smoke. I'm telling you the truth. I'm in this lock, stock, and barrel. Faith without works is dead. Am I right? Let's get with it or get without it. Let's go forward. Let's do this thing. At the planning committee at 5 o'clock, there ought to be four or five dozen people back there. This is Fellowship Baptist Church. Let's make it work. Let's do it for the glory of God. You're here for a purpose. It's getting really quiet in here. Psalm 139 verse 14 I will praise thee because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. God gave you life physically. If you're not saved, he wants to give you eternal life spiritually. But God is the life giver. And I'm totally fascinated with the person of God. I'll never live so long I can wrap my mind around an eternal being, a being who has no beginning, a being who is almighty, a person who knows everything, a person who is everywhere present at the same time. There's nowhere on this planet in the universe or hell beneath that the presence of God does not exist. He's everywhere. I'm fascinated with someone like that. God. It's amazing. So why are you here? Verse 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. Then there's a third and final thing, and that is, where are you going? How did you get here? Why are you here? And where are you going? Get this one right. Get this one right. Jesus said this in Mark 14, 21, about a man who did not know him. 
He said, now listen, this is very sobering. It would have been better had that man never been born. What a thing to say. If a person comes in this world, is oblivious to why he's here, how he got here, who his creator is. If he never finds out his real purpose in life, he's just blundering along from one year to another and he starts to die that way. Jesus said it would have been better had that person never been born. Hell must be a horrible place, Kevin. Hell must be a horrible place for, good, for Jesus to make a statement like that. I'm glad I'm saved from an eternal hell. If you are saved, men. What a wonderful thing. You say, well, preacher, I, my mood is off today. I'm just not with it. You know, I'm kind of in the fog and I don't feel very well. And I get it. We all have those days. But listen, on your worst day, you can still look up and say, thank you, Lord, that you saved me from an eternal hell. That you washed away my sins, that you paid for them on the old rugged cross. And by your resurrection, you made my justification possible, my life in heaven possible. And on your worst day, whether you feel like it or not, you owe God your praise. If you don't feel like it, just do it on credit. You'll take that as well. Praising God. John 3.36, Jesus said this. He that believeth on me hath life, but he that believeth not on me hath not life, and the wrath of God abideth on him. Where are you going? A hundred trillion many years from now, when it's off the calculator, when nobody can even estimate how long it is, you will be somewhere a living person. You will never die. God is eternal. He breathed into you. Now you are an eternal soul. You can never cease to exist. You'll always exist. The very person of you, the very heart of you, the very life of you, who you are, you will always exist. Won't it be wonderful there? But won't it be horrible for those who go to hell? Where are you going? I hope everyone in this room can say, Preacher, I know by the grace of God that God is my creator, but not only that, He is my redeemer. He gave me eternal life. He forgave my sins. He saved me. He gave me a new heart, a new mind, new desires. And now I just want to love Him and serve Him and love people and help them and make all the difference I can in everybody's lives that I possibly can. He changed me. I hope you can say that. But if you can, I hope you'll come today and say, I want to know this Christ, this wonderful Son of God who died on a cross and paid for my sins. I want to know Him. God put you here. It follows he had a reason. Why are you here? Why are you here? Do you know why you're here? You're here to worship, praise, and adore the Lord as his child. But if you're not saved, you're here to trust Christ as your Savior. And then you can say, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. Let's bow for prayer, if you will, please. And our musicians are coming.
Three important questions about life. How did you get here? Why are you here? And where are you going? I hope you're going to answer those biblically, correctly. I feel so for so many people I see. The distant look in their eyes, something ripped their heart and soul out. They're, they're dead people walking. There's no life. There's no real happiness. There's nothing there. And it's happening more and more and more. And it's spilling over in our churches. A lot of church going people are sad. Losing their direction. Losing their vision. Losing their joy and interest in spiritual things. Don't let that happen to you. God put you here because he wants you to serve him and love him and enjoy him and help everybody you can along the way. That's why you're here. I wonder with heads bowed and eyes closed while they play whenever they're ready. How many can say, preacher? I know how I got here. God gave me a physical life. He, he determined in his providence that I'd be given a physical birth and that I'd be on this planet. God purposed that. Preacher, I know at least this much why I'm here that I was to believe on His Son and be saved and have eternal life. And preacher, I've done that. I'm saved by the grace of God, preacher, and I know it. And if I died today, I'd go to heaven. There's no doubt about it. I'm saved, preacher, and thank God for it. Can I see your hands? I'm saved and I know it. God bless you and thank you. You can put your hands down. Is there anyone in this room that say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I don't know. If I died today, I'd go to heaven. God gave me life. I'm here. There must be a purpose. I'd like to know this God. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Lift your hand, please. I'm not sure. Thank you. Preacher, you talked about people who are saved but carrying a load. A lot going on. What a day, 21st century living. It's tough. It's hard at times. You'll never hear any criticism from this pulpit if you're struggling. You'll never hear that from this fellow. I understand. Preacher, I'm struggling with things. God knows what it is. Maybe physical, maybe emotional. Maybe financial or spiritual. Maybe a family member. I don't know. But I have special needs today. Preacher, would you be my friend and pray with me? Lift your hand. Pray with me. God bless you and you and you and you. So many of you. Let's stand if you will, please. I know the crowd's off today, but you'd be surprised at how many people raise their hands. And if you'd like to come while Roger leads us, you come and others may want to come with you. Let's come and talk it over with this wonderful God who's here to help you. Roger, what are we singing? All right, let's sing it if you will, and you come if you'd like. Oh, so.
Sing it with it, please. You know it. Sing it. something here today at five o'clock what is it yeah that's right don't drag this out put your heart in it get on out here at five o'clock you say preacher i don't know what a church planning committee meeting is well come and find out you'll have a big time listen we might give you a donut and a cup of coffee i don't know what we might do but i want you to come i want you to come and be a part of your church this is it it's a good opportunity for you. And then back tonight at 6 o'clock, the wonderful evening service, and all the way through. It's going to be a good year, a wonderful year together. It's already started off that way. But we love you so dearly. I kept you till 9 minutes after 12. Please don't tell anybody I did that. I don't do that normally. But let's pray. Gene, would you pray for us and ask the Lord to keep us till we meet again. We pray for those that came down today. Just each one had problems there. We're leaving at your feet. Just take care of those situations so far. Pray for Sister Debbie and what her yes. Pray for the sick of the church. Just touch their bodies so they can get back into the service so far. Thank you for what Ron brought in the sermon today, O oh Father. Come with us through the rest of the day. Give you the praise and the glory for what's accomplished. We ask in Jesus' name.